Chapter 19 of The Deluge, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Hand. The Deluge, Volume 2 by Heinrich Schenkewitz. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 19. That same day Akba Ulan beat with his forehead to the king, and delivered to him letters of the Khan, in which the latter repeated his promise of moving with one hundred thousand of the horde against the Swedes, when forty thousand thalers were paid to him in advance, and, when the first grass was on the fields, without which, in a country so ruined by war, it would be difficult to maintain such a great number of horses." As to that small chamble, the Khan had sent it to his dearest brother as a proof of his favor, so that the Cossacks, who were still thinking of disobedience, might have an evident sign that this favor endures steadily, and let but the first sound of rebellion reach the ears of the Khan, his vengeful anger will fall on all Cossacks. The king received Akba Ulan affably, and presenting him with a beautiful steed, said that he would send him soon to Pan Charnyetsky in the field, for he wished to convince the Swedes by facts that the Khan was giving aid to the Commonwealth. The eyes of the Tartar glittered when he heard of service under Charnyetsky, for knowing him from the time of former wars in the Ukraine, he, in common with all the Agas, admired him. But he was less pleased with the part of the Khan's letter which asked the king to attach to the chamble an officer, who knew the country well, who would lead the party and restrain the men, and also Akba Ulan himself, from plunder and excesses. Akba Ulan would have preferred certainly not to have such a patron over him, but since the will of the Khan and the king were explicit, he merely beat with his forehead once more, hiding carefully his vexation, and perhaps promising in his soul that he would not bow down before the patron, but the patron before him. Barely had the Tartar gone out and the senators withdrawn, when Kamita, who had an audience at once, fell at the feet of the king and said, Gracious Lord, I am not worthy of the favor for which I ask, but I said as much by it as by life itself. Permit me to take command over these Tartars and move to the field with them at once. I do not refuse, answered the astonished Jan Casimir, for a better leader it would be difficult to find. A cavalier of great daring and resolve is needed to hold them in check, or they will begin straightway to burn and murder our people. To this only am I firmly opposed, that you go to-morrow, before your flesh has healed from the wounds made by Swedish rapiers. I feel that as soon as the wind blows around me in the field my weakness will pass, and strength will enter me again. As to the Tartars, I will manage them and bend them into soft wax." But why in such haste? Whither are you going? Against the Swedes, gracious lord. I have nothing to wait for here, since what I wanted I have. That is your favor and pardon for my former offenses. I will go to Charnyetsky with Volodyovsky, or I will attack the enemy separately, as I did once Hovansky, and I trust in God that I shall have success. It must be that something else is drawing you to the field. I will confess this to a father and open my whole soul. Prince Bogoslav, 
not content with the calumny which she cast on me has taken that maiden from kaidiani and confined her in tarogi or worse for he is attacking her honesty her virtue her honour as a woman gracious lord the reason is confused in my head when i think in what hands the poor girl is at present by the passion of the lord these wounds painless that maiden thinks to this moment that i offered that damned soul that arch-cur to raise hands on your royal grace and she holds me the lowest of all the degenerate i cannot endure i am not able to endure till i find her till i free her give me those tartars and i swear that i will not do my own work alone but i will crush so many swedes that the court of this castle might be paved with their skulls calm yourself said the king if i had to leave service and the defence of majesty and the commonwealth for my own cause it would be a shame for me to ask but here one unites with the other the time has come to beat the swedes i will do nothing else the time has come to hunt a traitor i will hunt him to livland to courland and even as far as the northerners or beyond the sea to sweden should he hide there we have information that bogoslav will move very soon with karl from elblang then i will go to meet them with such a small chamble they will cover you with a cap hovlansky with eighty thousand was covering me but he did not succeed all the loyal army is under charnetsky they will strike charnetsky first of all i will go to charnetsky it is needful to give him aid the more quickly you will go to charnetsky but to tarogi with such a small number you cannot go radzivill delivered all the castles in jemud to the enemy and swedish garrisons are stationed everywhere but tarogi it seems is somewhere on the boundary of prussia on the very boundary of electoral prussia but on our side and twenty miles from tilsta wherever i have to go i will go and not only will i not lose men but crowds of daring soldiers will gather to me on the road and consider this gracious lord that wherever i show myself the whole neighborhood will mount against the swedes first i will rouse jemud if no one else does it what place may not be reached now when the whole country is boiling like water in a pot i am accustomed to be in a boil but you do not think of this perhaps the tartars will not like to go so far with you only let them not like only let them try to not like said kmita gritting his teeth at the very thought as there are four hundred or whatever number there is of them i'll have all four hundred hanged there will be no lack of trees just let them try to rebel against me yandrek cried the king falling into good humour and pursing his lips as god is dear to me i cannot find a better shepherd for those lambs take them and lead them wherever it pleases thee most i give thanks gracious lord said the knight pressing the knees of the king when do you wish to start asked jan casimir god willing to-morrow maybe akba ulan will not be ready because his horses are road weary then i will have him lashed to a saddle with a lariat and he will go on foot if he spares his horse i see that you will get on with him still use mild measures while possible but now yendrik it is late to-morrow i wish to see you again meanwhile take this ring tell your royalist lady that you have it from the king and tell her that the king commands her to love firmly his faithful servant and defender god grant me said the young hero with tears in his eyes not to die save in defence of your royal grace 
here the king withdrew for it was already late and kmita went to his own quarters to prepare for the road and to think what to begin and whither he ought to go first he remembered the words of karlamp that should it appear that bogoslav was not in tarogi it would really be better to leave the maiden there for from tarogi being near the boundary it was easy to take refuge in tilsta under care of the elector moreover though the swedes had abandoned in his last need the voveda of vilna it was reasonable to expect that they would have regard for his widow hence if olenka was under her care no evil could meet her if they had gone to courland that was still better and to courland i cannot go with my tartars said kmita to himself for that is another state he walked then and worked with his head hour followed hour but he did not think of rest and the thought of his new expedition so cheered him that though that day he was weak in the morning he felt now that his strength was returning he was ready to mount in a moment the servants at last had finished tying the saddle straps and were preparing to sleep when all at once someone began to scratch at the door of the room who is there asked kmita then to his attendant go and see he went and after he had spoken to someone outside the door he returned some soldier wants to see your grace greatly he says that his name is soroka by the dear god let him in called kmita and without waiting for the attendant to carry out the order he sprang to the door come in dear soroka come hither the soldier entered the room and with his first movement wished to fall at the feet of his colonel for he was a friend and a servant as faithful as he was attached but soldierly subordination carried the day therefore he stood erect and said at the orders of your grace be greeted dear comrade be greeted said kmita with emotion i thought they had cut you to pieces in chenstohova and he pressed soroka's head and then began to shake him which he could do without lowering himself too much for soroka was descended from village nobility then the old sergeant fell to embracing kmita's knees whence do you come asked kmita from chenstohova and you were looking for me yes and from whom did you learn that i was alive from kuklinovsky's men the prior kordetsky celebrated high mass from delight in thanksgiving to god then there was a report that pan babinich had conducted the king through the mountains so i knew that that was your grace no one else and father kordetsky as well well only it is unknown whether the angels will not take him alive to heaven any day for he is a saint surely he is nothing else where did you discover that i came with the king to lvov i thought since you conducted the king you must be near him but i was afraid that your grace might move to the field and that i should be too late to-morrow i go with the tartars then it has happened well for i bring your grace two full belts one which i wore and the other you carried and besides those precious stones which we took from the caps of boyers and those which your grace took when we seized the treasury of Hovansky. Those were good times when we gathered in wealth, but there cannot be much of it now, for I left a good bit with Father Kordetsky. I do not know how much, but the prior himself said that two good villages might be bought with it. Then Soroka drew near the table and began to remove the belts from his body. And the stones are in this canteen, added he, putting the canteen near the belts. Kmita made no reply, but shook in his hand some gold ducats without counting them, and said to the sergeant, Take these. I fall at the feet of your grace. Aye, 
if I had had on the road one such ducat. How is that? Because I am terribly weak. There are few places now where they will give one morsel of bread to a man, for all are afraid, and at last I barely dragged my feet forward from hunger. By the dear God, but you had all this with you. I dare not use it without leave. Take this, said Kamita, giving him another handful. Then he cried to the servants, Now, scoundrels, give him to eat in less time than a man might say, Our father, or I'll take your heads. They sprang one in front of another, and in little while there was an enormous dish of smoked sausage before Soroka, and a flask of vodka. The soldier fastened his eyes greedily on the food, and his lips and mustaches were quivering, but he dared not sit in presence of the colonel. "'Sit down. Eat,' commanded Kamita. Kamita had barely spoken when a dry sausage was crunching between the powerful jaws of Soroka. The two attendants looked on him with protruding eyes. "'Be off,' cried Kamita. They sprang out with all breath through the door. Out the knight walked with hasty steps up and down the room, not wishing to interrupt his faithful servant. But he, as often as he poured out a glass of vodka, looked sidewise at the colonel, fearing to find a frown. Then he emptied the glass and turned toward the wall. Kamita walked, walked. At last he began to speak to himself. It cannot be otherwise, muttered he. It is needful to send him. I will give orders to tell her. No use. She will not believe. She will not read a letter, for she holds me a traitor and a dog. Let him not come in her way, but let him see and tell me what is taking place there. Then he said on a sudden, Soroka. The soldier sprang up so quickly that he came near overturning the table, and straightened as straight as a string. According to order. You are an honest man, and in need you are cunning. You will go on a long road, but not on a hungry one. According to order. To Tilsa, on the Prussian border. There, Panya Bilovich is living in the castle of Bogoslav Radzivil. You will learn if the prince is there, and have an eye on everything. Do not try to see Panna Bilyevich, but should a meeting happen of itself, tell her and swear that I brought the king through the mountains, and that I am near his person. She will surely not give you credit, for the princes defamed me, saying that I wished to attempt the life of the king, which is a lie befitting a dog. According to order. Do not try to see her, as I have said, for she will not believe you, but if you meet by chance, tell her what you know. Look at everything and listen, but take care of yourself, for if the prince is there and recognizes you, or if anyone from his court recognizes you, you will be impaled on a stake. I would send old Kaimlik, but he is in the other world, slain in the past, and his sons are too dull. They will go with me. Have you been in Tiltsa? I have not, your grace. You will go to Shushin, thence along the Prussian boundary to Tiltsa. Tarogi is twenty miles distance from Tiltsa and opposite, on our side. Stay in Tarogi till you have seen everything, then come to me. You will find me where I shall be. Ask for the Tartars and Pam Babinich. And now go to sleep with the Kaimlikas. Tomorrow for the road. After these words, Soroka went out. Kamita did not lie down to sleep for a long time, but at last weariness overcame him. Then he threw himself on the bed and slept a stone sleep. Next morning he rose greatly refreshed and stronger than the day before. The whole court was already on foot, and the usual activity had begun. 
Kamita went first to the Chancellery for his commission and safe conduct. He visited Subagazi Bey, chief of the Khan's embassy in Lvov, and had a long conversation with him. During that conversation, Pan Andrei put his hand twice in his purse, so that when he was going out, Subagazi Bey changed caps with him, gave him a baton of green feathers and some yards of an equally green cord of silk. Armed in this fashion, Pan Andrei returned to the king, who had just come from mass. Then the young man fell once more at the knees of the sovereign. After that he went, together with the Kaimliks and his attendants, directly to the palace where Akba Ulan was quartered with his chamble. At sight of him the old Tartar put his hand to his forehead, his mouth, and his breast. But learning who Kamita was and why he had come, he grew severe at once. His face became gloomy and was veiled with haughtiness. "'And the king has sent you to me as a guide,' he said to Kamita, in broken Russian. "'You will show me the road, though I should be able to go myself wherever it is needed, and you are young and inexperienced.' He indicates in advance what I am to be, thought Kamita, but I will be polite to him as long as I can. Then he said aloud, Akba Ulan, the king has sent me here as a chief, not as a guide, and I tell you this, that you will do better not to oppose the will of his grace. The Khan makes appointments over the Tartars, not the king, answered Akba Ulan. Akba Ulan, repeated Kamita with emphasis, the Khan has made a present of thee to the king, as he would a dog or a falcon. Therefore, show no disrespect to him, lest thou be tied like a dog with a rope. Allah! cried the astonished Tartar. Hi! Have a care that thou anger me not, said Kamita. Akba Ulan's eyes became bloodshot. For a time he could not utter a word. The veins on his neck were swollen. His hands sought his dagger. I'll bite, I'll bite, said he with stifled voice. But Pan Andre, though he had promised to be polite, had had enough, for by nature he was very excitable. In one moment, therefore, something struck him as if a serpent had stung. He seized the Tartar by the thin beard with his whole hand, and pushing back his head as if he wished to show him something on the ceiling, he began to talk through his set teeth. Hear me, son of a goat. Thou wouldst like to have no one above thee, so as to burn, rob, and slaughter. Thou wouldst have me as a guide. Here is thy guide. Thou hast a guide. And thrusting him to the wall, he began to pound his head against the corner of it. He let him go at last, completely stunned, but not looking for his knife now. Kamita, following the impulse of his hot blood, discovered the best method of convincing Oriental people accustomed to slavery, for in the pounded head of the Tartar, in spite of all the rage which was stifling him, the thought gleamed at once how powerful and commanding must that knight be who could act in this manner with him, Akban Ulan. And with his bloody lips he repeated three times, Bagadir, hero, Bagadir, Bagadir. Kamita, meanwhile, placed on his own head the cap of Subagarazi, drew forth the green baton, which he had kept behind his belt of purpose till that moment, and said, Look at these, slave, and these. Allah! exclaimed the astonished Ulan. And here, added Kamita, taking the cord from his pocket. But Akban Ulan was already lying at his feet and striking the floor with his forehead. 
An hour later, the Tartars were marching out in a long line over the road from Lvov to Vyalki Oki, and Kamita, sitting on a valiant chestnut steed which the king had given him, drove along the chamble as a shepherd dog drives sheep. Akba Ulan looked at the young hero with wonder and fear. The Tartars, who were judges of warriors, divined at the first glance that under that leader there would be no lack of blood and plunder, and went willingly with singing and music. And Kamita's heart swelled within him when he looked at those forms, resembling beasts of the wilderness, for they were dressed in sheepskin and camelskin coats with the wool outside. The wave of wild heads shook with the movements of the horses. He counted them and was thinking how much he could undertake with that force. It is a peculiar body, thought he, and it seems to me as if I were leading a pack of wolves, and with such men precisely would it be possible to run through the whole commonwealth and trample all Prussia. Wait a while, Prince Bogoslav. Here, boastful thoughts began to flow into his head, for he was inclined greatly to boastfulness. God has given man adroitness, said he to himself. Yesterday I had only the two Kaimliks, but today four hundred horses are clattering behind me. Only let the dance begin. I shall have a thousand or two of such roisterers as my old comrades would not be ashamed of. Wait a while, Bogoslav. But after a moment he added, to quiet his own conscience, and I shall serve also the king and country. He fell into excellent humor. This too pleased him greatly, that nobles, Jews, peasants, even large crowds of general militia could not guard themselves from fear in the first moment at the sight of his Tartars. And there was a fog, for the thaw had filled the air with vapor. It had happened then every little while that someone rode up near, and seeing all at once whom they had before them, cried out, The word is made flesh! Jesus, Mary, Joseph! The Tartars! The horde! But the Tartars passed peacefully the equipages, loaded wagons, herds of horses and travelers. It would have been different had the leader permitted, but they dared not undertake anything of their own will, for they had seen how at starting Akba Ulan had held the stirrup of that leader. Now Lvov had vanished in the distance beyond the mist. The Tartars had ceased to sing, and the chamble moved slowly amid the clouds of steam rising from the horses. All at once the tramp of a horse was heard behind. In a moment two horsemen appeared. One of them was Pan Michael. The other was the tenant of Van Sosh. Both, passing the chamble, pushed straight to Kamita. "'Stop! Stop!' cried the little knight. Kamita held in his horse. "'Is that you?' Pen Michael reined in his horse. With the forehead, said he, letters from the king, one to you, the other to the Vovoda of Vityabisk. I am going to Pan Charnyetsky, not to Sepieha. But read the letter. Kamita broke the seal and read as follows. We learn through a courier just arrived from the Vovoda of Vityabisk that he cannot march thither to little Poland and is turning back again to Podlyasi because Prince Bogoslav who is not with the king of Sweden, has planned to fall upon Tykotsin and Pan Sapieha, and since he must leave a great part of his troops in garrisons, we order you to go to his assistance with that Tartar chamble. And since your own wish is thus gratified, we need not urge you to hasten. The other letter you will give to the Vovoda. In it, we command Pan Babinich, our faithful servant, to the good will of the Vovoda, and above all to the protection of God. Jan Casimir, 
king. By the dear God, by the dear God, this is happy news for me, cried Kamita. I know not how to thank the king and you for it. I offered myself to come, said the little knight, out of compassion, for I saw your pain. I came so that the letters might reach you surely. When did the courier arrive? We were with the king at dinner. I, Panyan, Panstanislav, Karolamp, and Zagloba. You cannot imagine what Zagloba told there about the carelessness of Sepieha and his own services. It is enough that the king cried from continual laughter, and both hetmans were holding their sides all the time. At last the chamber servant came with a letter. When the king burst out, Go to the hangman. Maybe evil news will spoil my fun. When he learned that it was from Pansepieha, he began to read it. Indeed, he read evil news, for that was confirmed which had long been discussed. The elector had broken all his oaths, and against his own rightful sovereign had joined the king of Sweden at last. Another enemy, as if there were few of them hitherto, cried Kamita, and he folded his hands. Great God, only let Pan Sepieha send for me a week to Prussia, and God the merciful grant that ten generations will remember me and my Tartars. Perhaps you will go there, said Pan Michael, but first you must defeat Bogoslav, for as a result of that treason of the elector is he furnished with men and permitted to go to Pudliacy. Then we shall meet, as today is today. As God is in heaven, so shall we meet, cried Kamita, with flashing eyes. If you had brought me the appointment of Voveda of Vilna, it would not have given me more pleasure. The king, too, cried at once, There is an expedition ready for Yendrik, from which the soul will rejoice in him. He wanted to send his servant after you, but I said I will go myself. I will take farewell of him once more. Kamita bent on his horse and seized the little knight in his embrace. A brother would not have done for me what you have done. God grant me to thank you in some way. Tfu, did I not want to shoot you? I deserve nothing better. Never mind. May I be slain in the first battle if in all knighthood I love a man more than I love you. Then they began to embrace again at parting, and Volodyovsky said, Be careful with Bogoslav. Be careful for it is no easy matter with him. For one of us death is written. Aye, if you who are a genius at the saber could discover your secrets to me. But there is no time. As it is, may the angels help me, and I will see his blood, or my eyes will close forever on the light of day. God aid you. A lucky journey, and give Angelica to those traitors of Prussians, said Volodyovsky. Be sure on that part the disgusting Lutherans. Here, Volodyovsky nodded to Jenzian, who during this time was talking to Akba Ulan, explaining the former successes of Kamita over Hovansky, and both rode back to Lvov. Then Kamita turned his chamble on the spot as a driver turned his wagon and went straight toward the north. End of chapter 19